these Fahrenheit sergeants. If they can't return home, they'll have to show themselves to seek other shelter. Once the village is leveled, we'll search the surrounding villages and see if they're hiding there. Yes, sir, the sergeant said. But as they fanned out to search the houses, snow began falling. It wasn't supposed to be possible for snow to fall at such extreme temperatures, but this weird world was a law unto itself, or so the residents seemed to believe. As if it wasn't cold enough already, a killing wind began to drive the falling snow into the soldiers' thermal-masked faces, into the open doorways, scraping huge drifts from the piles on the ground and flinging them against the houses. The sky grew white, too, and within moments, the sergeant couldn't see his own mitten when he put it in front of his face. Take cover, he yelled, and maybe his troops did, but his voice was blown away on the wind. Less than three miles away, but nearly a half-mile underground, the occupants of Kilkul were awakening. Cloda, the community's Shanakee, storyteller, wise woman, and native healer, was wide awake, sitting with her back and hands flat against the cave's sides, her buttocks and feet flat against the floor. Self-appointed disciples of the planet and would-be students of Cloda's, Brothers Shale and Granite and Sister Igneous Rock watched her, trying to feel what she was feeling. Yanaba Matic Shongili, co-governor of Patebi and former colonel in the company corps, opened one eye and looked up at Cloda. She'd been up half the previous night, plotting with Marmion de Rivere Algamain's employees, Captain Johnny Green, the skipper of Marmy's ship, the Piaf, Patula Chan, Marmy's security chief, and Raj Norman, a well-armed associate of uncertain status. Also included in their group was helicopter pilot Rick O'Shea, a former officer in the Corps, like Yana, but a native Patabian as well. When she finally turned in, the twins and Sean were all sleeping near her. Now none of them were there. Where? she asked Cloda and the rock flock as Patebi's worshipful admirers had been dubbed by the other inhabitants. Sean's sister, Sinead, and her partner, Ashling, had just entered the communion cave from the outer chamber. They're here, Sinead announced tensely, but Yana knew she was not referring to her family. The company corps, once more under hostile leadership, had landed with the intention of arresting her and her family and most of the villagers as well. Although it was now widely known that a Patabian adapted by the planet to its extreme climate could not long survive off-world, the authorities, responsible for Marmion's arrest, abduction really, intended to take the rest of the Patabians to Gwinnett Incarceration Colony to join their friend. When? Yana asked. A few minutes ago. Is that where Sean went? No, he's gone to round up your kids. Ashling said they decided to go for an early morning swim to the coast. Yana swore an unmotherly oath beneath her breath. Her children's selky seal side was a great trial to her, and, with increasing frequency, a source of not just worry, but of anxiety that bordered on terror for their safety. She had thought the planet was giving her a gift when it healed the cause of her infertility and allowed her to have the twins when she was well into her forties. Obviously, 
she had offended it in some way for it to have afflicted her with such an unruly lot of semi-wild animals for progeny. Their father, much as she loved him, was often no better, and now they had all broken cover and were out there in harm's way in places where she could not hope to follow. Cloda said, Sean will be fine, Yana. Coaxdal and Nanook went with him to guard him, if he comes to shore. And the kids? Yana hated to ask. Gone, Cloda said. Sean didn't reach them in time. Gone. You mean... I mean gone. The children have left the planet. The deep-sea otter's city ship ascended into the sky from the depths of the Patabian Sea. Although the vessel's departure for space seemed more controlled...